Guerrilla fighters thrive on the element of surprise. If you don't have the training or the firepower to take down your opponents in a face-to-face -face battle, your only hope of success is to hide out and bide your time until you have the opportunity to ambush the enemy unaware. This was the strategy of the Hukbalaha, a communist rebel group in the Philippines that was known for fighting off the Japanese in World War II. The Hukbalaha, or the Hooks for short, found themselves being squeezed out of power by the new Philippine government after the war. Unhappy about what they saw as a return to typical government corruption, they began hiding out in the thick, mountainous jungles of Bampanga, waiting to pick off targets. A police patrol here, a supply truck there, their attacks were often gruesome and sometimes indiscriminate, with innocent bystanders caught in the crossfire. They terrorized villages, using the trees for cover, hunting government targets one at a time, popping out like monsters out of a horror story. But there was something else in the jungle, something else that thrived on ambush and fear. And it was hungry. One night, Hook soldiers were trekking through the dark jungle when they noticed one of the men from the group was missing. No one had heard anything, so they doubled back, thinking maybe he'd wandered off or fallen asleep. But when they came across a trail of blood, they knew something was very, very wrong. They followed the trail, their hearts racing and their fear rising, until they stumbled upon their fallen comrade in the middle of the road. Dead, pale, and completely bloodless. As they looked at each other in horror, they began to wonder if the rumors from the nearby village were true, that there was a monster lurking in the trees, that the folk stories weren't just stories. Maybe the monster was still hungry. Maybe they were next. Hello, this is Culture Jumpers. Stories about making the jump from one cultural context to another. I'm Lionel Nicolau. And I'm Alana Whites. Today on the show, the tale of the Aswang. We take a look at what really happened in a rural Philippine village that was rumored to be stalked by a monster from ancient folklore. Before we get into the mystery of what happened to the Hook rebels that night, Oh, you know what we should have done? Instead of today in the show, the tale of the Aswang, we should have said it like the show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Do you want to get sued by Nickelodeon? <laughs> <laughs> the tale of the Aswang. Okay, okay. All right, we're getting off track. So before we get into the mystery of what happened to the Hook Rebels that night, we should probably explain what an Aswang really is. And... The Swang is not so much a single thing as it's an entire category of monsters. So kind of like the term ghost or demon. And although there are many kinds of Aswang, we'll go over just two of them that are the most relevant to this story. Okay, so scary music. Start now. The first kind is called the Mandurugo, the Bloodsucker. That the sounds like too cool of a name. It is a pretty cool name. It's a good band name. Is it? 
If nobody can say it. <clears throat> okay. The mandarugo disguises itself as a beautiful woman who will usually seduce a man and eventually marry him. After they marry, when the husband is asleep at night, it'll extend its thin, needle-like tongue into his neck, draining him of his blood little by little, night after night, until he eventually dies of blood loss. I'm saying she's a gold digger. <laughs> Once the husband dies... You know, gold digger is actually the wrong song. It's really hollow notes, the man-eater. That's... Yes. <laughs> He's a man-eater. You can't sing it. We're going to get sued. <laughs> okay, all right. Once the husband dies, the mandurugo moves on to find its next victim. Of course. This is so misogynistic <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> it's never the dude, is it? <laughs> all right. Where were we? Okay. The second kind of aswang is the Mananangal. In the daytime, the Mananangal looks like a beautiful maiden. Of course, always. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Don't trust pretty girls, they're evil. <laughs> like, like a beautiful maiden with a full bosom and a, a full bosom. <laughs> that's what it- She has to have big That's what it said in the research, okay? I'm just relaying what we, okay. With a full bosom. No itty bitties here. <laughs> Go find another monster club to hang out with. <laughs> with a full bosom and fair skin. But at night, it reveals its true form. Its arms transform into wings. Its upper body detaches from its legs <laughs> to fly off in search of victims. <laughs> this is like Transformers, but stupid. <laughs> it's not stupid. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, this is pretty freaky. Okay. Its upper body detaches from its legs to fly off in Remember search of Remember those little victim. helicopter toys we used to have as kids? You just, like, pull the string and it launches off the top. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so it's kind of like that. But, so it detaches from its legs to fly off in search of victims while its lower half hides in a closet. <laughs> or seek. It hides in a closet or a banana grove. <laughs> There's always monsters in the banana stand. Uh, okay. When the Mananangal chooses the house. <laughs> oh, you know what we can do? We let's do a Manamana parody song, but it's Mananangal. You can be the snotes. The what? The things that do the do 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 do. They have uh, names. Yeah, they're the snotes. Do the thing, and then I'll I'll be the do, do the what thing? Do the do 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 thing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> do 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 Mananangal. so stupid. <laughs> okay. Uh, we are way off track. Okay. Uh, I think we're exactly where we need to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we? Oh yeah. When the top half chooses a house to land on. It'll extend its long tubular tongue through the thatched roof into the bedroom of the sleeping victim below. Is this like what happens if you're bad and you're on Santa's naughty list? Well, it's not because of your behavior because 
because well, you're seduced by the pretty woman. No, 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 no. So the victims, here, get this. So the tongue will come into the room from above and it searches until it finds its target. And when it does, it'll plunge into the victim's stomach and begin sucking out the internal organs. And the Mananangal especially enjoys preying on pregnant women because a gestating fetus makes for a particularly delicious meal. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a uh, balot. Oh, why? You know, it's like the little duck fetus that you slurp the juices out of. Let it be known that the Filipino said this and not me. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it goes into the pregnant woman's belly and then it'll suck out the fetus. What are you there. doing? We, we have fully now. That, thanks, I'm going to go vomit. Or... Sometimes, when the victim is sick, it'll suck up the victim's discarded phlegm. That's the worst Musinex commercial ever. (laughs) And then, before daybreak, it flies home. Its wings turn back into arms. It reattaches to its legs, and it returns to bed beside its unsuspecting husband. Why the fucking legs thing is so (laughs) unnecessary? Why did the legs get to enjoy the free labor of the upper half of the monster? Well, I guess, like, it can't carry all the weight of the legs. Can't it just grow better wings? <laughs> but so wait. It's just poor design. So, so get this. So there are several ways to kill the Mananangal. One is while the body's detached, you can sprinkle salt or vinegar on the detached legs. Because it's a slug? Also, again, see, the legs are fucking useless. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can stab it in the back with a piece of bamboo, a sharp piece of bamboo. Does it have to be bamboo? It has to be bamboo. Or third, you can tie it upside down and beat it with a stick until a bird comes out of its mouth. What? Where the fuck did the bird come from? (laughs) It's the weirdest pinata ever. So so the way a woman becomes a Mananangal is the woman eats this like small black chicken that was from another older Mananangal and that turns her into the Mananangal. And so you have to find the woman and tie her up and beat her until the Jesus small black chicken Christ. comes out. And so that's how, that's how you defeat it. <laughs> so, like, does the old Mananangal give the new one the chicken? Or does she, yeah. like, kill her for it? No, it gives the chicken. So then does it die? No, I think it just produces a chicken. What? <laughs> this is all just an excuse for men to beat their wives. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit... It's a, a little, little bit? bit. <laughs> Whatever you're going to say, bit, it's a lot of it. It's a little bit misogynistic. I'll grant you that. But, so, those are the two kinds that are known for praying and, like, feasting on their victims in some form. So there's no male equivalent of these things? No, why, why would there be a male? <laughs> that wouldn't make sense. Oh, okay. Okay, so... Could one of these creatures have been responsible for killing the rebel fighter in the jungle? In 1950, a U.S. Air Force colonel named Edward Geary Lansdale 
arrived in the Philippines to meet with then-Secretary of Defense Ramon Magsaysay. At first glance, inviting Lansdale was an odd choice by the Philippine government. They had just freed themselves from being a colony of the U.S. a few years before, and now they were already bringing the Americans back as advisors? But the government needed help dealing with a persistent problem, the Hook Rebels. As communists, the Hooks wanted a post-war government that would give land and power back to the peasants and the middle class. So you can imagine that they weren't too pleased when the administration instead gave everything back to all the wealthy landlords from before the war. And to add insult to injury, the government refused to recognize any elected candidates from the Communist Party. So in response, the Hooks harassed the government with the guerrilla warfare that they were famous for. We actually covered some of this in an earlier episode where my grandma, or my Lola, told the story of how the Hooks attacked her bus and shot her because they thought the bus was being driven by the Philippine National Police. So, with resources stretched thin by the Hooks' constant attacks, the government decided to bring in Edward Geary Lansdale to help develop a counterinsurgency plan. Lansdale talked about this in an interview that he did in 1979. The uh, hook guerrillas, the communist guerrillas, had achieved considerable success in dominating the provinces around Manila. But they had done so uh, by uh, claiming to the people that uh, the elected government had not uh, won fairly in elections. The first part of Lansdale's plan? Shoring up the election process. Every corrupt election was basically a free advertisement to join the hooks. So the government had to take that card away from the rebels. The big turning points in the campaign against the communists there came about during two elections. Uh, the first one was a by-election in 1951 when uh, governors and mayors of cities were, were elected and uh, the uh, armed forces made sure that there wasn't fraud in the, uh, around the polling places and people who were running and who actually won the votes and were most popular were elected. And this, the people could clearly see that the, uh, the government was theirs and was representing them and uh, had no use for people who were asking them not to vote and saying that they, their votes wouldn't be counted and that uh, the, the government should be overthrown. Watching Lansdale talk, I was surprised at how harmless he seemed. To hear him tell it, all he had to do to win against the communists was just spread the message of freedom. Just whip those hapless Filipinos into shape and get them to conduct free and fair elections, the cornerstone of a functional democracy. It perfectly fits with the narrative we Americans like to tell ourselves. That our country is this shining beacon of democracy, ready to spread its light. The problem with that version of the story is that, in reality, Lansdale wasn't so harmless, because behind the scenes, he was doing something much darker and much more twisted. It turns out, he wasn't really in the Philippines on behalf of the U.S. Air Force. He was there as an agent of the CIA. And since he was a former ad man, his real specialty was psychological warfare. Though he conveniently doesn't mention anything about it in his video interview, Lansdale had another counterinsurgency tactic. Exploiting the superstitious beliefs of the Philippine people, sometimes in gruesome ways. In his memoir, 
in the midst of wars, he wrote. A combat Psywar squad was brought in. It planted stories among town residents of an Aswang living on the hill where the hooks were based. Two nights later, after giving the stories time to make their way up to the hill camp, the Psywar squad set up an ambush along the trail used by the hooks. When a hook patrol came along the trail, the ambusher silently snatched the last man of the patrol, their move unseen in the dark night. They punctured his neck with two holes, vampire fashion, held the body up by the heels, drained it of blood, and put the corpse back on the trail. When the hooks returned to look for the missing man and found their bloodless comrade, every member of the patrol believed that the Aswang had got him, and that one of them would be next if they remained on that hill. When daylight came, the whole hook squadron moved out of the vicinity. In the two years following the arrival of Lansdale, the Hook Rebellion lost its momentum. They lost more people than they could recruit, and the villagers they counted on for resources withdrew their support. Throughout that time, Secretary McSaisai became close friends with Lansdale. So much so that in 1953, Lansdale and the CIA actually ran his election campaign, helping him to become President McSaisai. And to cap it off, the very next year, the Hook suffered yet another major defeat the unconditional surrender of their leader, Luis Taruk. The Hook Rebellion had fallen apart. Lansdale had won. Look, the Hook Balahab weren't exactly the good guys. They killed many, many people, including civilians. And they shot my Lola, which is unforgivable. But I don't know if they deserved horror movie-style murder at the hands of the CIA either. Because it turns out that this ambush tactic was only used once, so it probably wasn't the thing that won the battle against the Hooks. And also, Lansdale didn't even get the details right. His squad left two puncture wounds, quote-unquote vampire fashion, in their victim. But remember, the Philippine version of the bloodsucker, the Mandurugo, supposedly drinks your blood through its needle-like tongue, meaning it would leave one hole in your neck, not two, like the western vampire would. So it's not even clear whether the Hooks really believed that an Aswang was after them. But I'd actually argue that they really were attacked by an Aswang that night. Think about it. Something disguised itself as something that it wasn't, in this case, an Air Force colonel instead of a CIA agent. It had embedded itself into the community, by becoming close friends with Maksaisai, and in the middle of the night, it would attack and actually drain the blood of its victims. The Aswang did exist, except it wasn't the Mandarugo or the Mananangal. It was a man, and he was an American. Edward Geary Lansdale became a hero for his work in the Philippines. After his victory over the communist hooks, he was the go-to man in other major Cold War events in history. From the war in Vietnam to the plot to assassinate Fidel Castro in Cuba. But the way I see it, his actions in the Philippines also made him a monster. 
one that was on the same level as the folklore that he was trying to appropriate. It made me think of this quote from the TV show Severance. Patricia Arquette's character, Ms. Cobell, is talking about the nature of hell, but I feel like it applies here too. She says, Hell is just the product of a morbid human imagination. The bad news is, whatever humans can imagine, they can usually create. Today's episode of Culture Jumpers was hosted and produced by Lana Weitz and me, Lino Nicolau. It was also written and edited by me. Music by Lana Weitz and myself. If you want to hear more about my Lola's encounter with the Hook Rebels when she was a teenager, check out the third episode of season one. We'll include a link in our show notes. Also, we want to hear what you thought of today's episode. Is there a mythical monster from your culture that you want to see covered on the show? Drop us a note on Instagram, threads, or TikTok at CultureJumpers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I was not prepared. <laughs>